Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Welcome to Home Education Matters, the podcast to answer all your home education questions. You're with Diane today and um, I'm here with my husband Andy. Hello. <laughs> so we're actually just um, sitting in our house having a bit of a chat anyway as we might do routinely if we ever get half a chance. But in our family Andy is the primary home educator so we thought it might be interesting to have a kind of well I think Eleanor referred to it as a bit of a parents evening. So we thought it might be interesting to do that. So welcome to the podcast, Andy. Okay. Do, do you want to say a little bit about um, our family structure? First of all, it might be helpful for people to know how things are for us. Um, okay, well, um, we have four children. We have an older teenage daughter who is in the last stages of secondary school. And Rosa is the uh, second child in our family, uh, and we have two younger children. Yeah, so it's only Rosa in our family who is home educated, isn't she? The rest of them still go to mainstream school. Yes, so we have one at primary school and two at secondary school, and Rosa who is ho- being home educated. Yeah, so um, I know that's slightly different to some home educating families who make an active choice for home education, but it but it hasn't been like that for us so much, has it? I don't think we would have necessarily actively chosen this as a lifestyle, but it's sort of come about from Rosa's struggles with secondary school. Yeah, I guess that's right. And also the opportunity in that you, Diane, um, are the principal breadwinner and I am at home in a semi-retired uh, position. Mm. Yeah, so that's that's why we made the decision in the way that we have. So I guess it might be helpful for us to think about Rosa's first year in secondary education because that's when we've made the decision. So Rosa is in year eight if she was in school so she went from primary school to secondary school and we pulled her out at the end of year seven so what was that year like from your perspective i had a certain view and relationship uh, with rosa um since whenever mm-hmm. um, began the process of uh, uh, seeking should I say a diagnosis or an assessment many years ago when she went to primary school that assessment uh, was in the process of being completed and then was completed and as such we spoke quite extensively to teachers individually and to the school as a whole uh, and we were quite happy Uh, with the eventual provision uh, made at primary school. And from our point of view and from what we could see, uh, Rosa herself was uh, very happy uh, at primary school in that there was a person-centred approach 
that attended to Rosa's particular presentation, her particular educational needs and way of doing things. And then we decided that we wouldn't go down the route of the selective process of asking whether Rosa would like to do the 11 plus because of issues, I guess, about the stress mm -hmm. and the pressure involved in that. And say so we researched for an appropriate secondary school, a non-selective secondary school, and uh, we supported Rosa in that transition from the supportive primary school into the secondary school. I hope that's uh, fair enough to say. Yeah, absolutely. So just to kind of clarify, Rosa has a diagnosis of um, autism. She manages really well, like most girls with that diagnosis. She is extremely skillful at masking and uh, doing her best to be a bit of a chameleon and to sort of fit in. So with Rosa, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily know um, upon first meeting her that she has that diagnosis and she she tries really hard to fit in, doesn't she? So in primary school, as you say, it was much more of a sort of child centred experience for her. And Rosa was really happy there and she felt safe and she had a very small but um, close group of friends and she felt safe and happy and looked after there. Yeah, and as you say, we felt that the pressure of grammar school and the 11 plus, plus process just wouldn't really suit her. So in terms of how Rosa presents, I think we would both say that we have uh, learned how Rosa is mm -hmm. over her lifetime, you know, since she was born. And we have faced uh, particular issues during the early years of her life, mm -hmm. and those issues have had some significant impacts on us, mm -hmm. on Rosa, and on our family, family as a whole. And there were certain instances where I guess you, you would call it there were mini crises in certain social settings. And we learned how to deal with those and we learned how to approach Rosa and we learned about her needs. So we've learned quite a lot about Rosa. And at the same time, I think Rosa has, through our conversation with her, learned quite a lot about herself. Mm -hmm. She has quite a lot of intellectual insight into how she is. And I would say that our relationship on the whole is pretty good. However, there are times when we can discern that Rosa is not very happy. And we acknowledge that and we acknowledge the reasons for that and we ensure that her needs are met. So, for example, and I think this is pertinent to this conversation, when Rosa started secondary school, clearly it was a period of transition, but we could see that there was a great deal of anxiety. That anxiety was not easily perceived. You couldn't see it very easily. Uh, but you could discern that she would be very quiet, she would be very tense, uh, she would sit on the sofa in, in a state of uh, inward anxiety, mm -hmm. and she wasn't necessarily easily able to express 
what that anxiety was about, but the anxiety was palpable mm. in terms of what we knew about Rosa and what we know about Rosa and how she tends to operate within the social world. Yeah, so I felt that first year, I mean, I think we had to sort of try it. I think um, certainly from my perspective, uh, and we've had conversations over the years about it, I suppose, but I, I know I've always been very worried about Rosa going to secondary school because just because it's a completely different experience from primary school, isn't it? It's not nurturing. It's it's just a, um, well, I always describe it as quite a brutal experience. I think secondary schools are pretty brutal places. And I've always been concerned about her. Uh, I think the chinks of insight that Rosa is able to express, and there's a few things that stick in my mind. One thing was a comment she made uh, shortly after beginning secondary school is that at primary school the teachers were her friends mm. and when she moved into secondary school the teachers were in her words uh, they were the enemy uh, and so that kind of relationship now I'm not blaming uh, teaching or the teaching profession but that transition from what was I almost think as a, a, a cosy, supportive and person-centred teaching environment to a, a, a large, noisy, at times chaotic uh, social environment where the teachers were, I have to say, at times struggling to maintain order in order that learning could take place. That transition was hard for Rosa. Yeah, it was really hard for her. And we made the decision to send her to the local comp effectively, didn't we? In the hope that actually she'd be able to make some local friends and she'd develop some sense of independence, I suppose. But what happens with Rosa? And we did that because um, for, for a number of reasons, we've never really, or not for a long time, have we lived very close to where the children have gone to school. So um, we've not really had that situation where, where our kids can kind of knock about with their friends straight after school. So we kind of wanted to develop that for Rosa a bit, but then what? how it turned out, because her anxiety was so high during the day while she was at school and although she had a little group of friends a very small kind of little friendship group that she that she struggled with a bit she didn't actually want to invite those friends into her house or she didn't want to see them after school because she really wanted to protect i think um her home life from the high anxiety of her school life so even that didn't quite work as i'd certainly hoped it might we very much tried to reach out to the secondary school uh, and talk to the teaching staff and talk to the support staff and we were actively engaged in doing that but from my point of view the nature of the school and again i'm not saying this in any blameworthy way was such that it was so big with so many people involved uh, with periods of social chaos, inevitable social chaos within corridors, uh, within the uh, canteen, within the playground, 
that this became um, a source of what appeared to us to be high anxiety for Rosa. So she would sit prior to going to school. She's always been very compliant, um, always been very compliant with our wishes in terms of our expectations of getting up and going to school. But she would sit in a state of high anxiety with her fists clenched and obvious signs of anxiety and an introspective and turning in of emotions. She would go to school. Sometimes I would try and accompany her. I certainly in the first few weeks, mm-hmm. I accompanied her to school. I saw that she was okay going into school. And then I tried to meet her as often as I could uh, when she came out of school. But uh, coming out of school, it was obvious that Uh, She was again very introspective and turned in and very closed off. And it would take a couple of hours for her to come down from that state Mm. of high anxiety. And our feelings were that the anxiety was so great, despite some of the some of the efforts of of the school, the anxiety was so great that we would describe it as she was taking on board a huge cognitive load in dealing with the social life of the school and that this was affecting her emotionally, affecting her well-being and also inevitably affecting the amount of learning that she was able to undertake. As I say, we did speak to the school, but such is the nature of the school and the way that it works and the way that many secondary school work, schools work uh, with limited resources, uh, limited ability to have a person-centred support plan, which is appropriate to the child. The ability to do that and the capacity of the school to do that was far less than what she had experienced in primary school. Yeah, I mean, I I also remember talking to the, you know, to the SEND team, um, who actually have a really good reputation locally. And and I think they probably do work really well with some kids, but for Rosa, I mean, their attitude to me was, well, if Rosa's struggling, she just needs to come and ask for help. And of course, Rosa would never dream of doing such a thing because she doesn't want to be different and she doesn't want to, she just wants to sort of fit in. So, you know, that approach just doesn't work for her. It was painful, wasn't it? And, you know, when you talk about that, um, where she was, where she'd sit on the sofa ready to go. And I remember, you know, that was such a, it was painful to watch. It was really painful to watch her walking out the door and going up the road. And yeah, it was, and as you say, she, she I don't think she ever really kind of came out of it in the evening, but or not not for very long as you say and it kind of just my experience of the year was that it was like a bad start and then I thought things were sort of getting a bit better in the middle of the academic year and then they kind of just got a whole lot worse again and you and I were just well I think we just thought that you know we can't we can't do this to her anymore really and it felt um it felt like her mental health was getting really bad actually although she would never she would never say she wouldn't articulate that but just 
you know, in terms of her level of withdrawal, it felt like her mental health was getting really bad. And what we know about that, as you say, one, she can't possibly learn in that environment because she's just busy trying to survive it. And if you're busy trying to survive something, you, you can't, you can't learn. It's just, you know, your brain can't do those things. Um, but the other thing that I think I was really aware of is that if you if you have such a terrible school experience, it stays with you for the rest of your life, you know, and actually can cause real problems in adulthood. And, you know, some of the work that I do is about sort of, you know, trying to help older adults kind of manage the experiences they've had through through childhood. And I, I didn't want that for Rosa. So we started talking, didn't we, about possibilities, options about other schools. And then we kind of thought about home education. How did you feel about about that when we first spoke about it? Um, I guess I've got quite a lot of anxiety or I did have quite a lot of anxiety, um, partly because of my uh, working background with children and families who, how can I say, um, where, the, where the child would not be attending school <clears throat> and it, it, from my point of view, my history is, personal history of school is, that's what you do, you mm -hmm. go to school and you put up with it in terms of the good bits and the bad bits and then you learn how to navigate through it and you are either successful or slightly less successful in terms of outcomes. But my expectation basically was kids go to school uh, and that's basically the thought that taking Rosa out of school was possibly not the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think for both of us, it felt a bit like we were doing something wrong, but I do think it was much more pronounced for you yeah and it took perhaps a bit a bit of more processing for you perhaps to kind of think that through a little bit the initial thoughts uh, about the fact that this might not be the right thing to do then i began to think about uh homeschooling in a positive and constructive light mm. and began to research the processes of homeschooling, the bureaucratic processes of withdrawing Rosa and declaring that Rosa wouldn't be attending the school, but she would be undertaking homeschooling. And then I began to think about the positives of homeschooling. And I think that now I would say that there are distinct positives uh, that I can see. And one of the positives is there was an almost sense of um, unwinding, mm -hmm. um, emotionally unwinding and relaxation and relief that we saw in Rosa um, when we began to te uh, talk to her about homeschooling and the fact that uh, she would still be receiving an education but that she wouldn't be walking up to the school each day and she wouldn't be attending school as before mm. yeah absolutely and just say we we are using the terms home education and homeschooling interchangeably but i i know some people don't but um we, we mean the same thing when we kind of use those terms yeah so we've done 
just over a term now, haven't we? So it's, we're still quite new to it. Yeah, so before before we add into the legislative and bureaucratic necessities uh, that had to be completed, I was nervous about doing that. I was nervous about the fact that we might be viewed as a family and as parents uh, who were doing something that was not the right thing. I've always been careful, I guess, in terms of uh, my work in life to ensure that I am doing the right thing within the kind of structures and the expectations that we have in society. Mm. So we work through that process. And I also thought constructively about myself, uh, about my background and about my abilities. So I do have a bit of a background uh, in terms of academic teaching at all levels. And I began to think about this and I began to think about how I might construct homeschooling. And again, partly I think this was about my anxiety. So what I did was I looked at the curriculum for uh, a person of Rose's age and then I began to construct a timetable so that in effect she would have school at home mm. and there was a range of subjects and I broke down the subjects in terms of the content within each of those subjects that's my way of doing things I guess and uh, that's also a matter of my coping with anxiety the other thing that I did was I asked Rosa uh, to keep a record and a log of the things that we covered the topics we covered uh, and the way in which we covered them and I think that uh, now, uh, whilst I am slightly more relaxed and slightly more flexible about things, we are still covering a good range of educational need. Although we have begun to think about the emphasis um, within those educational needs. Yeah, we're sort of um, talking about focusing on a couple of subjects, maybe for, for GCSE at the moment, because um, we, we might get a couple of those done early if we can. But yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, I think, well, one of the issues for us is because we've got other children in mainstream school, we pretty much stick to uh, the same structure. So we have um, school holidays when the school holidays are, we pretty much stick to kind of school hours more or less. And that's, you know, that's because we've got other children who do those things. So for us as a family, that just works out better. But if all of your children are home educated, you wouldn't necessarily want to want to do things in that particular way. But for us, it, it kind of works and my work works like that as well. So I've kind of structured my my work around school terms and half terms and things. So as a family, that kind of really works for us. So what would you say are um, some of the best things about home education from your perspective? So the best thing is, I guess, about the visible, palpable impacts on Rosa, which has been a very positive impact on her. She's much more relaxed, she's mm. much more open, and she is emotionally much more available, even though there are times when she's quite distant uh, because of her particular presentation. Mm. But she 
appears to have been able to be much more emotionally grounded if i can put it that way yeah we've both um had <laughs> occasions with rosa since she's been home educated haven't we where um like say rosa is not physically demonstrative at all she doesn't particularly like to be touched very much or hugged or anything like that but both of us have said in this um past kind of quarter that oh Rosa's just given me a hug, you know, and that's quite unusual behaviour for Rosa. And it really, for me, demonstrates just how sort of happy she is. And it almost feels like she's much more able to sort of start to become the person that she she should be um, and that we've given her that opportunity to do that. Whereas I think in school, you're so busy trying to fit in and you're so busy kind of navigating your way through this quite stressful process even for kids that don't have kind of additional kind of needs and stuff it's it's can be quite a stressful time and I think as an adult you kind of go through this process of maturation don't you and most of us don't really find out who we're meant to be till actually you know we're probably well into middle age but it feels to me a little bit more like Rosa's able to, to find that in herself a little bit more now. yeah I think I think that's true Rosa, I have to say, very much has a desire to learn. Yeah, she does. Uh, and meeting that desire is fantastic. Um, you know, certainly one of the one of the good things about home education, and I'll, I'll use that term, is that in the process of researching resources, not just me, but books, online resources. Um, outside resources it's been good for me too and, and it's been a very positive experience in that there are things that I hadn't thought about for a while uh, there were things that I had thought about and then I had to look again and re-examine and for me it's been a learning process yeah and I'm really happy with that it's, it um, it has given a renewed sense of purpose for me and renewed motivation for me it's not the only thing in my life i, I have to say that um there are other things and other interests that i have so i certainly retain those but i balance those now with meeting rosa's learning needs and the way in which she learns and the way that she thinks and i find myself adapting to her needs yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a really common experience um, from what I've heard from home educators to um, certainly in some areas of learning is learn alongside the student. And I think that's that's actually a really lovely process. You know, we're not all the font of all knowledge, of course. Um, I think you are probably more than, <laughs> more than no, most, but, you know, we can't all know everything. And actually learning beside your child is actually a really lovely process to go through, I think. Yeah, so I, I think we really do need to say that we have looked for other resources in addition to those within the home. So we have tutors uh, for key subjects. Um, certainly one area uh, in terms of key subjects is, is about maths. And certainly I did maths at school as many years ago. But it strikes me, or I'm aware of the fact that the curriculum for maths and the way in which it's taught has changed. So my knowledge of teaching maths in a particular way and some of the language of maths 
uh, has changed. I am not particularly up to date with it. So we have a maths tutor, yeah. an experienced maths tutor, who is able again to work at the pace that Rosa is able to work at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we have a couple of tutors. We're obviously fortunate to be in a position to be able to do that. And um, we've limited it, haven't we? We've limited the number of tutors because obviously it could be a very, very expensive process if you had tutors for everything. So we've we've very much strategically kind of got tutors for a couple of subjects, haven't we? So these are, shall we say, additional resources. So if you said the example of maths and we've also got an English tutor, that's for a limited period yeah. each week. And so those tutors set the structure and the content of the learning. Uh, and then I follow that up during the week. I guess, you know, talking about maths, I'm learning about, I call it new maths and a different language of maths and a different way of constructing things. I find that useful, it's good for me. Uh, so I'm learning at the same time as Rosa is learning about, shall we say, the language of maths. Mm -hmm. You know, one of those other areas, of course, is about language. I'm not fluent in another language. I have bits and pieces of uh, knowledge mm -hmm. about other languages. So we have looked for language tutors, uh, fluent language tutors, in order to give that other input. So hopefully there is both some kind of academic structure, which I suppose because of my background, I'm keen that Rosa has, mm. but also that wider sense of learning about life, uh, learning about things that crop up, things that crop up in the news, certain terms, mm -hmm. um, some kind of background understanding. And Rosa asks about the, uh, these things. And then of course, there is the, the need to get out and about yeah. and have a much broader uh, sense of being in society. Uh, so there is the inclusion of going to the gym. There's the inclusion of activities. I go sailing. Rosa uh, participates as and when she wishes in sailing, but the opportunity is there. Going for walks, talking about uh, the things that we see and the thoughts that come into our head. So we have, I hope we have a good balanced approach to what we would think of as home education. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think Rosa, I've got no worries about her education at all. I think Rosa gets a very rounded education um, with you and probably much more so than she actually would have done in school. So that isn't definitely a concern, I don't think, for me. I think she's really lucky to have the opportunities that um, that you give her. I think I'd also want to say one of the really good things for me about the decision that we've made about home education is the way our other children have supported her decision and our decision to do that. So I had some concerns that maybe at least one of her sisters might be you know, quite envious of, of her being deregistered from school. But actually, I think what our kids do really well is to understand that they're all individuals and that equality is not about everyone being kind of treated the same equality is about everybody being treated in accordance with their needs and they have a really good understanding of that and actually they know that they're all really different individually and they all have different needs so you know the child 
Flora, who's Rose's immediate younger sister, who was perhaps the one I worried about most, you know, she's got a desperate need to be in school because she's highly sociable and she's quite, she's very bouncy. And um, I think home education for her would, you know, would be really limiting for her actually and really restricting. But they've really supported her, haven't they? And there's been, you know, there's not really been any sort of difficulty with it, has there? They've they've just been very supportive. Indeed. I mean, we, we've spoken to everybody in our family about how things are structured, I suppose you might say. And uh, that there is uh, um, a great deal of inclusion in terms of the, that decision making. But I, I am anxious to say one thing, which is I find it a huge privilege to be able to home educate Rosa. It's a fantastic opportunity for me, and it's a fantastic opportunity, I think, I hope, to meet Rosa's particular needs. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Are there um, any challenges from your perspective? There are personal challenges. Think about how I am. To think about how I am with Rosa, I have to think about sometimes being at home together is quite an intensive mm. um You know, I know I've spoken about having a, a timetable and a curriculum, but there is the need in terms of Rosa's needs to think, well, now's not the time to do certain things. Well, let's go do something else. Uh, and sometimes at home, it's clear that Rosa doesn't want to uh, stick to what we might anticipate we have we have uh, organised. So I just say, oh, well, let's go for a walk then. Or let's go and do something else. Or let's go and uh, let's go down the gym if we can, the times that are available. Uh, we can do something else and just meet Rosa's need at that particular time. And it's great that Rosa will respond and say, yeah, okay. And then there is that process of, you know, I might be walking along with Rosa and she's very quiet, for example, at times. And I just allow that, that silence uh, just to take its place. And then after a while of... Um, walking along, Rosa will say something and she, she might say, she might ask a question about something she's heard on the news and then I'd respond and then we will find our kind of uh, level of engagement mm. and buoyancy again. Yeah, I kind of wondered about, um, I suppose one of the concerns that maybe I might have for you might be around I suppose time really because I mean although you don't go out to work anymore and I've sort of taken over that role in the family you do still do work but it's not so much the paid work I would think about more the sort of developmental work that you do and the writing and the thinking that you do and the stuff that you'd probably be doing if you weren't home educating. Well I think that's true but you know the important thing is as a parent the emphasis is being a parent. And then people ask me, oh, what do you do, Andy? I say, oh, well, you know, I, I do this, I do that, I do, you know, various pieces. But then I say, I'm a home educator and that's my job. And I'm happy with that. I'm, I'm pleased with that. And people seem to 
well, you know, sometimes they're a, a little bit taken aback and you see a kind of flicker of uncertainty in their eyes about what that involves. And then I explain what I do and then they go, oh, that's great. And it is great. Yeah, and I think it's fantastic if that's how you see it. It doesn't sound to me like you're at all like resentful of it or, you know, wish it wasn't so. No, as I say, it's a huge privilege and opportunity. And I've got to say that our near neighbours around us, they are also supportive. <laughs> they are amazingly supportive. <laughs> uh, you know, one neighbour is an ex-teacher of um, uh, design and technology, and uh, he's had some input, and yeah. he seems to really enjoy the input in working with Rosa in doing a bit of woodwork, <laughs> basic woodwork, and uh, sort of hands-on stuff which is great yeah we've not actually had any negative reactions at all have we i don't think we've um been very supported i think in our communities both sort of local communities and you know in our i suppose wider extended family as well so we've been really lucky i wondered but also about whether it may not have happened yet but whether you might anticipate there being any additional challenges of being a home educating father as opposed to what the more usual perhaps would be, which is a home educating mother. Well, I suppose, I suppose one thing is that in terms of trying to make a connection into the home education community is that it tends to be uh, female dominated, mm. not entirely so. And the way that women might work together and be together socially is slightly different from the way in which men will form their faults, they uh, might socially be together. And it's not entirely comfortable, I don't feel, being in a social setting with um, mostly uh, mothers who home educate. There's always that kind of stranger's linkling as what my motivation might mm. be for being there. And, uh, you know, I, I deal with it, but it's not all that comfortable at times. No, and I think that's probably to be acknowledged, isn't there, that a father home educating is always going to perhaps attract a little bit more questioning, if not, I, I wouldn't necessarily use the word suspicion, but I think there is always going to be more questioning attributed to a man home educating than to a woman, and that's a real shame, isn't it, really? I think that's true what you've said. But that questioning is something about the nature of the world, the social world and the mm. society in which we live, in that the stereotyping way that a family might work is that the man goes out, if it is a man, it doesn't have to be a man, but one person goes out as the breadwinner and the other is the domestic person at home. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm happy with that. I'm entirely happy with that. But I think there is sometimes that inkling that, it is a little unusual to have the way that that is constructed within a family. Yeah, and I think, well, for us, it's been a shift as well, hasn't it? Because it used to be that we were much more conventional, I suppose, didn't we? So it was much more you were the breadwinner for many, many years. And I was the one who had primary responsibility for the children. So we, we have always also kind of been in that paradigm, haven't we? That very traditional paradigm. So for us, I think, as a family, you know, the last few years have been quite a shift, haven't they? The fact that you and I have shifted roles a little bit more and now we're home educating. I suppose, you know, as a family, we have 
we've all had to kind of get used to that a little bit. It's something that I, I welcome. I don't think things in the past have always been as good as they could be, but mm -hmm. I think this is a very positive move. I, I view it very positively. Yeah, so what would your hopes be for Rosa, for her future, do you think? Well, I, I guess, you know, I have an eye on the goal, and the goal is that Rosa will go to college or university, higher education, and she will have a successful career in that area of work which fits her and which suits her. And I think she will be successful. I have every hope and anticipation that she will be successful in the future uh, and she will have a successful career, which is constructive and positive for her and gives her rewards in life. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I share that completely. I think Rosa is entirely capable of doing that. and. I think what home education has given her is that sense of, you know, her discovering more about herself, as I, as I said earlier, and actually maybe she'll be able to sort of find her way into whatever it is that does fit her. I think we've got, you know, some ideas about what those things kind of might look like, but, you know, it's still very open at the moment, isn't it? But I think... I think what's really great is that she's got now got an understanding, but actually you don't have to do things in this entirely kind of conventional well-trodden pathway that actually there's always a way to do things you know and they might not be the way that everybody else does things but she can find her way of doing things and you know i think this has given her a real sort of experience of learning that that's the case you know and it's definitely something that i've learned running a business is actually you you know you run your business in the way that you want to run your business not in the necessarily in the way that other people do things and you have to be very aligned to what's important to you and that's the only way that you can ever really be successful um in life in any kind of way is to align yourself with your values and hopefully rosa will continue to do that yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I also, in terms of, I suppose, hopes and fears, there are personal challenges in terms of the way that I think about myself, in that it is quite posing. You are exposed in a way which is not always the case when you go to work. At work, you have a work persona, um, but in home education, there's no way, you know, you have to be absolutely honest with yourself, you have to be honest about some of the things you know and some of the things you don't know. You have to be honest about some of your personal attitudes. So it's a two-way uh, reciprocal process for me. And uh, as I say, it's entirely positive. It has been quite fantastic. If you were to have any kind of worries for Rosa and her future, what might they be? the challenges arise, we can adapt and we can meet those challenges and we can not just survive but be successful. Yeah, indeed. I think my worries for Rosa are about her social world, for one, and her ability to develop the independent life skills that 
that she might need at one point. I, my anticipation is that Rosa probably, you know, when she goes to university or, or college, she probably won't go very far away, but she still needs those sort of independent life skills. And we've tried to um, foster her social relationships, haven't we? We've tried to say she's, she's maintained a couple of friendships, both from primary school and her um, one year in secondary school. And we kind of kept those friendships going as much as possible. But she's she is a bit reluctant with um, <laughs> with friendships and she doesn't because she's got her sisters, I suppose. She doesn't sort of necessarily feel the need for an extensive friendship group. But we know that that's important for well-being so we try to encourage that and, and certainly in terms of um, life skills or social skills um, that's one aspect in terms of what Rosa and I have spoken about so we might watch uh, a TV program we might watch a nature program and then I say what well, you see this presenter they have see how they have presented themselves compared to another presenter do you see what they've done in that presentation and rosa can acknowledge that there are different styles of presentation and different skills and there are micro skills in terms of engaging with with an audience with other people mm. and, and that's certainly one thing that is a shall we say an underlying theme all the time in terms of not just what we understand, but how we understand. Not only what we understand in terms of facts, but how we understand things socially and how we interact socially. But as I say, there's, there's no hiding because I wouldn't say I was perfect by a long chalk. And I certainly have to think about those things for myself and it is a positive it's a privilege to be able to do it yeah definitely so i guess that's kind of work in progress isn't it yeah it is work in progress and, and we have a our eye on that goal mm. of equipping or allowing rosa to equip herself with a set of skills that she can use in the social world and in the social world of whatever future work or occupation she wants to pursue. Yeah, I mean, I've always, I suppose, spoken to all of the children about how your world opens up a little bit. You know, when you're at school, your world is really limited, isn't it, by those other people that are there. But actually, the older you get and the more kind of exposure you have to to different people you kind of find you you know you find your tribe in the end i think don't you generally speaking so hopefully that'll be the case for, for rosa so um i guess that's it really um apart from to say i think rosa's very lucky to have you and i'm very grateful for you for doing what you do for rosa said it more than once already but it, it, it is an absolute privilege an absolute privilege to be able to do it no oh, that's great well, thanks for listening today. Um, hope you've enjoyed it. Hope it brought a slightly different perspective, perhaps. Don't forget to like our Facebook group, Home Education Matters, and we will see you next time. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Home Education Matters podcast. See you at the next one. Have a lovely day.